0: Then we're drawn to ask, I suppose, what is the nature of our experience of the world below? If we were to look carefully at it, I suppose we could say it's, it's, it's a number of things, but what would be the most uh, significant experience that we have about? the world below or the world of our present frame of reference within time and space. I would say that the most significant uh, experience that we have is the fact that we experience. That's quite an experience. (laughs) That's very uh, very extraordinary. Hmm? That's very different it would appear in many respects from the natural world. And by the natural world, I mean that there are things that are experienced that appear not to experience themselves. Hmm? We, on the other hand, are a unit of experience. Hmm? We experience things that don't experience us. Hmm? We lend ourselves, in a sense, to them and thereby animate them. Hmm? And in the context of doing so, we tend to lose sight of ourselves and the importance of the experiencer. And we make more, if you will, out of that which is experienced and has no capacity to experience itself. We make more out of matter hmm? which doesn't really matter unless we matter about it. hmm? Unless we mind it it doesn't really matter. hmm? But we tend to make more out of it. hmm? This is of course material life and Interestingly enough in the attempt to find more and make more out of the experienced as I say we tend to lose sight of the fact and the significant fact that we are the experiencer mm-hmm. and we make the world of our experience smaller. How do I mean smaller? By smaller I mean meaner, Hmm? small-minded, narrow-minded, a kind of meanness Hmm? we find therein. And the more that we try to find the more in matter or make more out of matter than than is possible, Hmm? again, at the loss of our sense of self, that we're the experiencer, we find ourselves with necessities. As a result of identifying with things, we lose sight of the fact that we have the capacity to experience, that we've animated those things, we've given value to the things. We are a unit of value. Value is subjective the objective world has only the values that the subjective consciousness imposes uh, upon it. Hmm? So as we identify with with things, with the experienced, rather than the fact that we're an experiencer, hmm, we lose values, actually. Hmm? What's really valuable? Ourselves. We, what we are ontologically speaking hmm? from the yogic perspective, from the perspective of Vedanta and and, and spiritual traditions of of of, of 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 worth their worth talking about hmm? ego effacing traditions across the cultural uh, board, um, hmm. when we uh, make more out of matter. And as I've often said, that it wasn't me who said it first, I don't think. But the best things in life are not things. Hmm? When we try to make those things more than what they are, then it makes for uh, a loss of of our own value Hmm? and a loss of values. Ultimately, you follow me? I mean, that is to say, the more we identify with things. with the experienced rather than the fact that we're the experiencer and we've brought them to life and given them a meaning and a value hmm? the more life becomes ultimately valueless and meaningless
1: hmm?
0: because again it is value is subjective so the more we identify with the objective world of things the more consciousness becomes devalued hmm? And values are lost, and we can make up values <laughs> and try to make a world of values without the spiritual getting in, in our way and so forth with old traditions and superstitions, and we don't need that anymore. We, make, we can make up values. Mm. We can say the right things and do the right, whatever the right things are for who, for what, for what. It's all very, of course, a soup of, of relativity that we swim in when we take that and then we argue that there must be, there can be real values in a valueless, ultimately meaningless world, where as much as sense of self and consciousness being upper is lost, and we absorb ourselves in what, from the from the spiritual perspective, is the lower world, and the and the and what it drives us to, so to speak, the more meaningless. Life becomes, in an absolute sense, obviously. Mm-hmm. So, it is that the loss of much that um, uh, that we we pursue the more that we sense life is about in relation to things, in relation to matter,
1: mm-hmm.
0: try to squeeze the value, meaning, uh, purpose out of it? We, and as the sense of self is lost, we start to feel empty. So, we need more things. Hmm. to add on we think that will make us complete and full Hmm? and so we really enter into a life of taking (coughs) this is what I mean by mean Hmm? Darwin said it you know survival of the fittest something like that sounds very mean (laughs) Uh, and it is Actually, there's a, a sequel to the, uh, arguably, the sequel to the Gita, Bhagavad Gita, the uh, the Bhagavad Purana, Srimad Bhagavatam. It makes a powerful uh, statement or two, quite a few. Um, but um, in one section, the sage Vidura is speaking to the king, Dhritarashtra, who is blind and old hmm, and attached to... His kingdom, in, in a way that's very unbecoming, hmm? and so Vidura, Vidura, the sage, makes an effort to like just uh, uh, uproot him from his attachments in his old age that are very um, unbecoming. Hmm? He should be wise by this time hmm? as to the nature of the world. You can't keep it. Hmm? and the more you like it the more of the problem it is because it it doesn't remain Hmm? so uh, a wise person through not only having heard through good association such ideas and thought and reflected on them how those ideas are not book ideas they're recorded in books and we call them sacred books because these kind of ideas are really plumbing the depths of our experience Hmm? we're not talking about anything here that that anyone doesn't have experience of
1: hmm?
0: but the implications of those so forth so and here he is old and by this time he should have figured this this out but he's remaining attached so he he speaks very sharply to him the word sadhu you know it means like a a sage it also means to cut hmm? It's like he's like a heart surgeon, if you will. Open heart surgery. And Vidura saw, this is the last chance I have here. Hmm? Let me poke him. Hmm? Let me amputate or whatever. Let me open open his chest here. And and so he he said many things, but the one phrase that, that I'm going to cite, when I when I think of, when I cited Darwin's Darwin's uh, uh, description of, of the world bleak as it is, he said, "Well, the the, the four-legged are food for the two-legged, and, and 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 so on and so forth, and and jivo jivasya jivanam." He said, "And the long and short of it all is, one living being is food for another. It's a mean." the kind of life you're leading is very small it's very mean you're hunting for things and the more you hunt for the things the more you're being hunted Hmm? there are only so many things (laughs) and we can never have enough when we think that things matter Hmm? we lose sight of what actually matters and it doesn't matter how many things you get you will never be satisfied. Hmm? And a whole bunch of people (laughs) with that in mind, consciously or unconsciously, politely or impolitely, hmm? more or less doing the same thing. Hmm? This makes for, well, not a place for a gentle man or woman. Hmm? It's rather wild. Mm-hmm. and a dangerous place we find sometimes the sadhus they 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 tend to go to quiet places away from the world <laughs> right for contemplation and so forth and mm, and to and to uh, to protect themselves from the taking mm-hmm. so and sometimes even we find sadhus who 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 do very extraordinary things to keep people away from them. Hmm? Um, I know even sadhus who, in times gone by, dressed up like materialists to keep spiritual seekers away from them. There are many spiritual, I mean, quote unquote, seekers who are in a name of spirituality with the language of it, the movements of it, a few slogans and so forth, hmm? really pursuing the same thing that the average materialist does, but in a more subtle way. And this is very, very uh, extra diluted kind of a <laughs> situation to be in, very, very, very problematic hmm? kind of a spiritual um, materialism wrote a Buddhist of the past um, teacher, spiritual materialism so we watch out for that in these circles Um <laughs> watch out for me <laughs> be careful so at the cost of much, then hmm, we try to make more out of out of matter, out of the experienced at the loss of. One self, one soul, hmm? which, by contrast, to a world of taking where the self is lost. Let me say, I'm lost. I want to seek, I want to find. Hmm? Uh, uh, it, by contrast to that lost person, if you will, that lost self that has become a taker. Lost to its own value. Its value is such, as I said, that it gives meaning to the whole world. Apareya vidime param jagat. In Gita, Krishna said this is beautiful. He talked about the self. It's actually sustaining the world, animating it, bringing it to life, giving it meaning. As I've said at other times, repeating a theme even that I'm emphasizing tonight... Things have importance to us only because we invest ourselves in them. Hmm? Because it's my car, it's important. Because I'm in it. I mean, I've projected myself into that thing by the word, by the two letters, my, and now it has value. The reason the thing, the car, has value is because I am in it. I have value, in other words.
1: Hmm?
0: Not the thing, (laughs) But by the word my, oh, there's, there's a small word, but a big deception that takes place. And there's a sleight of hand, and we think the thing, the car, the house, whatever it may be, uh, and it gets more subtle than that. These are, this is the crude way of talking about our my's, my body, my feelings, it could be, that are coming from the mind, and the mind's identification with things, which is always going to cause my mind to go up and down as I get them and I lose them. Hmm? As I chase after them, they turn out to be less than what I thought they were. Hmm? Then I'm going on this roller coaster of the mind, of uh, emotions, feelings arising out of a mind in pursuit of things that that are just not quite there. <laughs> we think of it as a very tangible world and the spiritual is rather kind of ethereal and hard to get a grip on. Hmm? But who's getting the grip? Hmm? That is tangible. The things that one, he or she, tries to grip or thinks are tangible, they're constantly in flux, aren't they? Constantly in transformation. Hmm? So a, a life in pursuit of such with attachment to such, with the idea that, that such things, that is, have a prospect for me in terms of fulfillment, peace, love, valuable things. Hmm? This, is, this is maya. This is the illusion. Those, you, will, you will never get peace from that. Hmm? The things are constantly, in, in, as I say, in, in flux, in transformation, it's no more than a dream where you, you you found a beautiful prince and he turned into a, a monster. You know, a second later, hmm? just lasts for a little longer. Hmm? But in the larger scale, it's just moments passing. Hmm? No peace to be had there. Hmm? And how ugly we become, really, as a taker. And then we interact with people, really for things, subtle things. It's, it's of course, we ought to all start somewhere. But uh, so we paint a you know a picture as bad as it could possibly be. And then we try to go in the other direction, <laughs> because we do have a prospect. I mean, we we are not a taker. Ultimately, this is the good news. It doesn't stop with Darwinian's uh, idea. Yes, one living being in this world the world is food for another. But if you understand it thoughtfully and you look carefully at it. Hmm? In terms of your experience and the fact that you're an experiencer, as I'm speaking about, what does that mean? Hmm? Sometimes in in philosophy of mind and in neuroscience, they, they they pose a question that if there is something called consciousness that's different from matter, hmm? that's different from the natural world, that's supernatural and causal, hmm? an atma, then why don't we see it? Why can't we measure it? Hmm? If it's influencing the world, why can't we we measure it? Well, you know, it's a hard question in one sense to ask, but it's, you could give an easy answer, too. Uh, it, it, the answer lies in plumbing the depths of what it, what it means to observe. <laughs> they want to say, why can't we observe it? What is observation? Hmm? What is that? Hmm? It's not a brain. Hmm? There are things that the brain does that we think we do hmm? of our own volition. That we think and, and in science they, they 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 say, just see, the brain is doing this. And we're thinking I made a choice, but the brain is doing it.
1: Hmm?
0: This is not a new idea. Prakriti mudatma. This is stated in the Gita. The brain is doing many things that we think our, we are we think ourselves are doing. What we think we are doing actually being done by the brain. It doesn't use the word brain, but it's the same idea.
1: Hmm?
0: There's, a, there's a sleight of hand, there's a deception on the part of consciousness's identification with matter. You identify with matter, you kind of turn it on, it moves, and you think those movements are your movements. Hmm? And there is power in observation. Many things would not happen if there was not a witness. (laughs) Just because someone is there witnessing, something happens that would not otherwise. There's power in observation self the atma is a witness Hmm? and if we can plumb the depths of what 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 an observer means hmm, we can turn the whole tables uh, tables so to speak and get have a space if you will for the idea space in modern society that consciousness is causal is important is 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 primal there's some kind of biological evolution going on but it's driven by something ultimately hmm? consciousness and it's identification with matter that keeps the thing going like a wheel like you know the, the rat in the wheel the samsara karma you, 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 you take so you owe you take all that taking we talked about <laughs> it's not free <laughs> it's not free you owe Hmm? You owe, so off to work you go. Hmm? And become obligated. Hmm? By witnessing, turning it on, and identifying with it, and and so forth. So, this is the backwards picture, right? This is the upside down. Hmm? The important thing is that there's an experiencer. That's different. Matter is experienced, as I say. It's, it's this is a huge difference. Don't expect that which doesn't experience to start at some time. Hmm? Don't expect that. Hmm? In other words, experience does not come out of no experience. That's the math, if you will. Hmm? It doesn't. <laughs> it doesn't happen. Hmm? the more complex thing doesn't come out of the less complex thing hmm? uh, so in this picture the upside down picture we have an experiencer and the experiencer is is mixed up with, with things that are experienced and and has become a taker hmm? an exploiter of the natural world for a mentally conceived purpose. We have a physical dimension and a psychic dimension covering ourself. This is the idea of Vedanta. The psychic dimension, the mental condition, gets input through the senses and whatnot of, of the world and makes a picture there hmm, of what it is. And And it just happens to be that you're in the center of the picture. <laughs> Whether we really think about it clearly or not. We're kind of the center of this picture of what the world's like, and it's really all kind of moving around us and our interest and should serve our interest, even when our interest is philanthropic and altruistic to one extent or another. We're still, you know, the, the giver, the, the, the saint in that sense, kind of in a in a in a, in a, in a false sense of the term or in a less than perfect sense. I want to say the, ter- the term of philanthropy, altruism. Obviously, obviously is better than than um, um, inside trading or something like that. <laughs> but it's relatively so. Hmm? Hmm? Altruism, philanthropy for what? Hmm? To preserve this world of taking and try to make it a little license the taking hmm? something. Now, if we want to love we have to change things very radically we have to stop taking altogether so love is about giving not about taking hmm? so if this world is the reflection hmm? as above so below but the one difference it's backwards hmm? if this world is about taking that world is about giving So how will we give? How will we start to give? Where do we give? Hmm? To go there. Because we don't want to just talk about nature of transcendence. We want to go there. There's no point in talking just to to stay here. In other words, if I'm only interested in talking about it because I can talk about it in a creative way and people will listen, then I will stay here for sure. If I'm living on that... (laughs) there's a very petty thing hmm? the prestige of he can talk about she can talk about that to eat that to live on that to digest that as to be deeply deeply immersed in a world of taking hmm? so we are not here just to talk about that but to go there hmm? that's the idea and if we are to go there it's very helpful to to go homeward, if you will, to know a home-knowing, home for home-going, a home-knowing person is very helpful. Hmm? Who can speak with the head but from the heart because heart should be, head should be exercised to soften our heart. Hmm? We should use our head to soften our heart. And as the heart becomes softened, ruchi hmm, bees, hmm. as the heart becomes softened, then the head comes up with wonderful ideas, very different ideas, and some capacity then to talk about these things uh, I- I- with with words and, and reason that they can address the 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 the, uh, the reasoning and I- intellect of. Of others, and then do that seep into the heart hmm? because I mean we, we we do sit here and listen and think and are we going to let that in or not or do I agree with... so we're listening with our intelligence hmm? so you want to be able to talk about it with a head, so to speak that that will arrest the intelligence that you can go beyond it go inside touch the heart Hmm? Hmm. home is in the heart so they say oh he hit home with that one and if he or she can say something that really touches the heart and you know that's true then you have to make that one of the foundation stones in the spiritual life that you're building you can't just go that sounded great and parrot it to somebody else. You have to have it go in, and make and build on that. Hmm? As much as you do that, then you have find you have some capacity to understand the topics, hmm? to have a feeling for the topic, hmm? and to go there. As I say, how will we go there? It's not a question of miles. Hmm? There means it means a trans. Spatial, trans-geographical place. Hmm? This is the subjective world we're talking about. The above. Hmm? It's all, what I mean by subjective, I mean it's all about consciousness. There's no mixing with matter. Here we have a world of matter and a world of consciousness, and they're, they're mixed up with one another. Hmm? The consciousness is confused, thinking itself to be matter. It never becomes matter it's never affected by matter it's like a virtual reality you're never really affected but uh, you think you are Hmm? oil floats on the top of water it doesn't go to the bottom they may go along together but you can take the oil off they don't mix so the atma hmm, the self and matter they don't mix Hmm? but in the waves of material life of emotions it's ups and downs we we move with it Hmm? And think by projection, we're experiencing it's very terrifying. But our position is safe all the time, actually. You actually don't die. Hmm. Dying is a thought, it's a thought that you don't have to think. Hmm. It's a problematic thought. Why is this problematic thought? Hmm. Well, I guess a number of reasons, but, but it's problematic thought because we think something is ours. And the world is telling us it's not, as it's being taken away from us. You understand? Death means it's all taken away, whatever you think is yours. But if you don't think anything is yours, then... Yes, there will be a biological death, but the problem of death is solved. Hmm? Do you understand? It's a mental problem. It's a mental disease, this, <laughs> this idea. You can cure that. Hmm? And so, so how, to, how, to, how to move away from that life of taking and pursue the life of giving hmm? that the other world is about? That, that, that the subjective world, where there's no matter to take, hmm? there's no need to take because one is full in oneself, hmm? having identified oneself as consciousness. Hmm? Consciousness is subjective, so what are we saying? These are loaded words, subjective, objective. I mean, they could mean a lot of different things. I'll try to make it as clear as possible what I mean. Subjective subjective means, well, you know, it's a feeling, right? Hmm. We think, well, there's, you, he, he, that's, that's, that's all in his mind. Mm-hmm. It's not the real world. <laughs> it really is all in the mind. The whole objective world is only in the mind. We can only experience our experience of the objective world, not the objective world itself, because we never mix with matter. We can never touch it. <laughs> we can never even touch the objective world. We can touch our experience of the objective world, a translation of it. Consciousness translates the objective physical world through the subtle vehicle of the mind. Mind in Vedanta philosophy that we're entertaining tonight is, is a subtle form of matter that's kind of like consciousness and it's more intangible and hard to grasp, so to speak, but it's matter nonetheless. And consciousness, the witness, experiences the gross material world, if you will, through the medium of the mind. And and in science, of course, they call that qualia, 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 the qualitative experiences. But you never touch the world. hmm? Now this other world, there's no matter, hmm? which is what's got the whole thing turned around. What is that world of matter and consciousness? It's something like this. If you take the Godhead, hmm, then we say, the God, this world is like God's dream. It's like a dream. It's sometimes described like this in the sacred text. God's dream. hmm, It's a dream. A dream world. Now the other world, the real world. What's the real world then? Hmm? The real world, if, if the world above, is God's daydream. Daydreams are different than dreams. Hmm? Right? Daydreams are like, I would like to do that. What do you think? <laughs> but, it, but in the daydream of God, whatever is the daydream, it happens. Hmm? So this is a world of consciousness that we want to call it the daydreams of God, which are all fulfilled, hmm? um, and it's subjective in that it's all in the realm of consciousness. There's no matter, but it's not just subjective in the sense of well, whatever I want it to be is what it is, hmm? because it's God's dream- daydream. So I've introduced another here, hmm? and a significant. If you will, other God, and what I mean by that is, if we are a spark of consciousness, then there is a there is a there is a there is a fire, there is a source. The problem with our upside down world here is that we think ourselves to be the center, the fire, and we are only a spark. The fact that we're a spark is evident from our experience that that we are bewildered. And, I mean. We are a particle of light and luminosity, if you will, Hmm? that should light the day and the night of our lives. But we live in the shadows. What are shadows? You have to have partial light for shadow. You can't have the full light. There's no shadow. So we're light, but we're partial light. Therefore, we live in the shadow. Hmm? And we're creating the shadow. And we're shadow dancing. (laughs) if you will. There's no real partner there. Because as we perceive it, the world's all about us. Our needs, perceived needs, as a result of identifying with matter, body and mind, we have perceived needs, and it's really all about us. I want you for me. And we'll make a deal, okay? You know, we'll satisfy one another, and you don't talk it out like that, but that's what kind of the bargaining goes on we try to make it less bargaining and more you know real love and uh, where your heart becomes mine my heart becomes yours but in order to do that you really have to go beyond the body and the mind Hmm? the body and the mind create a space that's uncomfortable for us that's why we have to go within to get some space to get some relief from the constraints that the body and mind, and in, in, in space in that sense, impose upon us. The limitations. Hmm? So to go within, if you really say, you know, go within or go without. Hmm? <laughs> go within. Hmm? There's a subjective space. We think of space objectively, like it's this many feet, that many inches, this many cubits, or whatever, <laughs> uh, how can you have a space that's, that's not a space? It's a, well, we have to give it a name, trans hmm? a non-physical place. Hey, you know, and we're talking Eastern philosophy here, but the father of Western philosophy, Plato, had a very similar idea. And he's not that far from the East over there in, in Greece. And those who know their history know there is a substantial connection between the Greeks and the Indians. And even the worship of Krishna if you will, on the part of the Greeks in India. It's interesting. They came to conquer, but they found something extraordinary there, some of them. Hmm? What did he say? His idea was that there is a world of mathematical truths and principles hmm, that is uh, beyond time and space. Hmm? It's, it, it, there's a there's a, there's a world that that is beyond time and and is a non is non-physical a non-physical place. <laughs> I like that a non-physical place. Why not? Hmm? After all, even our physical place is a space of a, of our mind and and our consciousness in, in connection with mind and a perception and so on and so forth. So. I mean, we're all in the same place, aren't we? <laughs> not really. Hmm? We're trying to get, get there. <laughs> so, hmm? there's another world. Hmm? And there's another Who the center. And because the, the fire is there, hmm? the sun is there, and not just the rays, there's no shadow. There's no darkness. Darkness is absence of light. As you know. Hmm. So if we want to go into the full light, then there will be no darkness. That means there there is a place, a non-physical place, a timeless place, where there's no matter.
1: Hmm.
0: And therefore there's no confusion. Because what matters is understood there. Hmm. And it's us, in terms of ourselves being a unit of consciousness luminosity, enlightenment in relation to our source. Now, he said this world is about taking, that one's about giving. So if there's giving, there has to be a giver and there has to be the taker who's w- worthy of taking because the taker is the center. And the center is worthy of taking because when it takes, it gives in a way that no giver can give. What I mean by that is let's take the stomach as an example. Hungry? If you feed the stomach, it will do something with the food that no other part of the body can do. All the other parts of the body work to feed the stomach. Hmm? Now, should they revolt and say, hey, why are we giving to the stomach here? Hmm? Why don't I keep it, the hand says. The tongue says, tastes good on this end. Why swallow? (laughs) There's a good reason for the swallowing, too. A good reason. There'd be no tasting without swallowing. There'd be no feeling without swallowing. Hmm? So, because what the stomach does by taking is it transforms that taking in a way that no other part of the body can and thereby gives to the whole body. Hmm? so the center is has an appearance of taker but it's actually the biggest giver hmm? and love is about giving right so and so if i if, if i love you then you're in trouble because you will love me if i love you it's hard for you not to love me hmm? you'll say well i like him you know but he just keeps coming on he's just really nice and and whenever you know whatever <laughs> if somebody loves you you become controlled by them but that's not a bad thing hmm? because becoming controlled by them means you end up loving them hmm? then they become controlled by you do you understand I've given an example before that there are different ways to control we can control a person physically by locking them in the room or we can control a person mentally by manipulating them psychologically more subtle and you can't understand it Your friend has to come and say, get out of that relationship. Can't you see he's terrible for you? Get out of there. We can't see it. We're being manipulated. Hmm? We're being controlled. Hmm? Mental control, more subtle, yet more powerful than physical control.
1: Hmm?
0: More pervasive. You don't even know you're being controlled necessarily, you don't want to hear that you are uh it's it's very complicated <laughs> hmm? physical control you know i'm in jail i want out but there's there's no confusion about it hmm? so we can control with physically we can control mentally or we could control by the heart and the more the controlling becomes subtle the more the less it is apparent that the controlling is what's going on and so when the the control comes by love love is controlling I mean let's face it (laughs) if someone loves you you know your kids love you well you know you're controlled by them I mean it's a relative example but (laughs) to one extent or another but you like it and and of course I'm just giving a relative example in the absolute sense hmm, being controlled by love by love of God hmm, that's very satisfying Hmm? By loving God, well, then God loves us, so to speak hmm? uh, so we need another. My point is also to love to give, we need another, we need a center. Hmm? If this world is about taking that upper world must be about giving, there must be a center to give. there must be something going on there, giving hmm? so how do we get there? Where do we start giving well. In the Gita, there's a nice um, metaphor of the world. In the chapter of 15, Purushottam Yoga hmm, is the yoga of the ultimate person. It's called, that's the name of the chapter. And it begins with a description of a banyan tree. You know the banyan tree? It's a veritable forest unto itself. Its branches go up and out and down and take root and it's very complicated and entangling and the Gita says this world is a banyan tree turned upside down like you might see on the bank of the river and you see the reflection it's upside down hmm? it's entangling one thing that tells us is that if this world is a reflection of that world that world's entangling too but in a positive way this is the higher idea the in between idea is well, if this world is entangling based on attachment, then the solution to turn it around is detachment. You could say, well, this world's about attachment, so that world's about detachment. Makes sense in some sense from what we're talking about, but we have to clarify that detachment is only the first stage of love. So detachment is the beginning of love. Attachment, that's not loving at all. Hmm? That's that's the world of taking and uh, I'm attached. Uh, I, I have a perceived need. Hmm? Detachment, let's say, if I Step, if you're too close to something, you can't see it for what it is. You've got to kind of step back and look at it. Like science is about being objective. Let's look at the thing objectively. What's going on here? Hmm? Be from free from your biases and your attachments. Then you can get a clear picture of what's going on. Hmm? So it's advised there that this banyan tree should be cut down with the acts of Detachment. Hmm? but the qualifying point here is very significant this detachment is not the be all and end all of spiritual life because it's spiritual life and the other world is about loving Hmm? and all you're doing is detaching well love is about attaching too in the right way Hmm? not just detaching detach for attachment in other words we can't see the thing for what it is so we have to step back and then we relate with it in terms of what it actually is. Hmm? So detachment is only the beginning.
1: Hmm?
0: Yeah. There are spiritual paths that are only about detachment. From the Gita's point of view, well, yeah, go ahead, crucify yourself or whatever. I mean, I'm not, I'm not invoking the Christian image there, but, you know, people hang themselves and torture themselves for detachment, you know, and stand on one leg for eons or Lie on a bed of nails if you've been to Kumbh Mela. These kind of things. So, the, the path of detachment, I mean, it's pretty arduous and, uh, and, uh, and self punishing and so forth. Hmm? But there's another way to accomplish this attachment that's a little more user friendly. Hmm? And that doesn't leave us just with detachment, because that will only bring us to the door of that upper world. can't get in because you're detached. There's someone worth being attached to there. Hmm? And there's something to do also. Detachment means animation is suspended here. I'm detached. I'm not doing anything. It might be peaceful for a while. Shanti, 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 sit, do nothing. Hmm? But love is active. Hmm? It's giving. Is love just Not taking—it's part of love. (laughs) Yeah, you shouldn't take. You shouldn't. But it's not the whole, full face of love. In bhakti, the idea is, of course, bhakti means love. So this is the yoga of love. Hmm? This is the bhakti shop. But you can't buy love. (laughs) So there's a price to pay. And part of the price for for, for acquiring love is detachment. But why is detachment? Hmm? Detachment that comes naturally as a result of being preoccupied with being attached hmm? properly. In other words, in the in the in the in the yoga of bhakti, we try to attach ourselves to the Godhead hmm? in ways that you might attach yourself to other people. Hmm? like we do the chanting emotionally and we chant Krishna's name Gubinda Ram, as, as may be the case we try, we try to develop attachment hmm, on that side to the center hmm? and as a result of that the detachment comes about naturally because we start to think I'm doing this I want this things are, I have things in my life that are getting in the way of this hmm? so I should let them go if I find I want to love you but there's something getting in the way of that so I give that up. Is that detachment or is that loving you? That's loving you. Not just part. That's just a way of. It's not. It's a byproduct. It's. It's. So the detachment should come. Hmm? The negative thing, as a result of something positive. The best. Defense is a good offense. they say something like that. This is a good phrase for bhakti. Hmm. Hmm. So, there's something worth being attached to. Again, this is in a world where there's no matter. So, where everything matters, you can be attached to the Godhead and to other devotees, even, who love the Godhead. Why not? Hmm? And we do want to love one another. Or do we want to just do away with one another and just be quiet? Sit alone. We could say we're all one. We are to some extent, but we're also different. And love, as much as it conjures up the idea of unity, also brings to mind variety, diversity, and movement, not stillness. Now, we cannot sit until we find love. And when we find it, we've got to move. It's quite a you know an affair, a roller coaster, if you will. But you don't want to get off. <laughs> you can't get off, but it's... It's, it's 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 exciting. Hmm? Spiritual life is like that. Hmm? Real spiritual life. If you want to go to that realm, to that side, then we have to cultivate detachment. In the context of developing attachment for Bhagwan. Hmm? Hmm. That upside-down tree, that forest of the banyan, distorted as it is yes that's a that's a that's a problem Hmm? that world of attachment I was thinking about this earlier Hmm? the world of attachment that we should forego is the very spirit of enjoying things I know we say enjoy sounds good but it's actually the whole problem in one sense Hmm? this is this this is this is the well, this is the apple that got stuck in Adam's throat. That's what happened. You know, They call this the Adam's apple. He tried to enjoy that apple but it got stuck in his throat and he choked to death. Hmm? And we are choking hmm? on our attachments. It's killing us. The enjoying spirit. Hmm? We can say, well, I'll give that thing up, that thing up. Why don't you give up this thing? It's the only thing you really got. This exploiting tendency within you. Hmm. You give that up, then you can have all the things you want. Things have a purpose, but just not the purpose that you got in your mind for them. The world's not there for your mentally conceived purpose, waiting to be used at your disposal. I mean, we should know that by now. Huh? But we we, we kind of don't live like that, hmm? and so we we. we, we we're assigning values to things relative to our mental world that we live in, which is so small and uncomfortable for us. We want everybody else to live in it, of course. Hmm? But even we are uncomfortable within it. Hmm? And it constitutes really a serving an enjoying ego. I'm the center. Things are for me. I'm a taker, an enjoyer. So this this ego. This identity, that has to be. That should be killed. That should die. But let it die in the context of, of developing a loving identity. Though there's a positive connotation of ego, of identity, in bhakti. And so we go, in the context of bhakti, cut down the tree. We, well, you know, let the apple come up, something like that. <laughs> You're choking on it. Does somebody give you a good sadhu slap on the back. <laughs> and then, now, and then use that same tongue for chanting, for example. Hmm? And other such, bhakti is very friendly because it, it employs all of the senses, hmm? spiritually. Hmm? That's a larger topic, but one of the uh, examples, of course, is using the tongue for chanting. We could talk about anything, or we could talk about these things. What's wrong with things, and so on, as we have been. Well, that is, that is a good use of the tongue. Hmm? The same tongue that that will cause you to be entangled in the world can disentangle you. You understand what you talk about and what you think about. What you think about, that becomes what, what, what you are and what your life is. And so, if, if you put these harikata, these kind of topics, sadhusanga, on the tongue, and you have ears, listen with those kind of these, these things. This will be, you can use these things ears, tongue, in a way that will disentangle you. They are a product of your entanglement, they are your karma. <laughs> They are a result of your previous taking. And this is what I look like. I know it's bad. <laughs> but, you know, at least I admit it. Uh, I've taken, so here I am. No. So, you, the very things that you can use them to disentangle. This is a very user-friendly idea that bhakti brings to us. Hmm? And so by such chanting, hearing, by such topics, by coming together like this, opening our hearts, hmm? To discuss such things, such idea to entertain such ideas, and so forth,
1: hmm?
0: and, to, and to chant, for example, Krishna, Nam, Govinda, Ram, and so forth. We can go in the direction of that world, and that world, again, as I said, is like the daydream of the Godhead, and it has different. Therefore, it's it's like the banyan tree; it has many departments. Hmm? It's entangling. It, it has. It's full of bias. We just talked about having to give up bias, right? And be objective. Hmm? That's true. But love is also a bias. Let's face it. Hmm? Love is a bias. So they had love of Ram. They had love of Krishna. These are biases. But they're not a problem. Hmm? Because all these are different faces of the God, of, of Bhagavan. Hmm? Vishnu, Krishna. Different faces. And then there is, in a general sense, there's, there, we're talking about a land of lila, as opposed to a a a, a, a world of karma. I don't know if you're familiar with some of you the term of lila, karma you have all heard of, of course. Karma means that we we act we we're takers and so we owe we get the re, repercussions of taking. Lila is the life that we enter into by giving. It's just play. Hmm? It's play. It's it's. So Bhagwan is described as only playing. It has nothing to do, nothing he has to accomplish. So, and he's omniscient. So that's boring. So he plays, hmm? plays, and so many leelas with whom, with those who go there, hmm? who 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 give up the meanness and small mindedness and narrowness of take of a world of taking. They go there. They give and they feel themselves. They got bigger in ways that words cannot do justice but it's our experience by giving I got bigger I became nicer hmm? Hmm? and 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 we go there and it's different so I'll give a general idea here the world we call Shristi Lila Shristi means creation the world comes and goes in cycles again and again Vishnu's dream he dreams it oh I would like to be many when there are many hmm? but his jurisdiction is over the realm of matter
1: hmm?
0: why the need for such a world where his leela transitions into karma for the many which is a problem why why the need the need begins on the other in the other world because in that world, Bhagwan is only doing leela. There's no karma. There's no matter. Hmm? Everyone's giving, and everyone's fulfilled Got the Godhead is giving back in in, in leela and so forth. But in the context of the leela that the Godhead is preoccupied with, Godhead is all is the embodiment of all love. So all flavors, all all nuances of love are are, are present in the Godhead. and and properly centered so they're not a problem like they are here it's kind of a shadow of love and so forth so there can be friendly love of God there can be parental love of God there can be romantic love of God Hmm? and there's no no taking in any of that Hmm? but there's another kind of love too we call that compassion oh and that looms very big in this world Hmm? that's the big thing here but it's only the big thing here in that world there's no need for compassion. You understand? There's no matter to be entangled with, no problem. Hmm? But the Godhead, nonetheless, being all love, has an ambition, has a daydream. dream, let me be compassionate. Who are you going to be compassionate to? Who are you going to give mukti to? Who are you going to give preem to? Everybody's got it so go to sleep dream about another world hmm? where there's a need to give compassion hmm? become many hmm? this is the shadow and there's partial light and so there's a the world and he becomes the savior in so many avatars and they're not really suffering I know it feels like it <laughs> as I said earlier the oil never touches the water hmm? we never touch matter Hmm? and so albatar this, this, uh, the, the descent of the god into the world and the teachings and so forth and a chain in succession of sadhus teachers and students who become teachers who become students and so forth like this hmm? every student has a teacher here I teach and I look other way I'm a student and that is forever such is the nature of the subject that's beautiful I like that hmm? Not only I can learn forever, but I can learn to love forever. That's what's worth learning, not just to learn. Hmm? Knowledge is only good as, as good as it helps me to love. That is, that, that, is, that is the end of knowledge.. Krishna says in the Gita in the ninth chapter, "I'm going to tell you about the highest love. At the end of the chapter, he says, "It's the highest knowledge, he says. Raja The end of the chapter he says, "It's love me, that's what it is. That's the secret. Love me. Love has knowledge, it's pregnant with knowledge, essential knowledge. No no burdensome knowledge. No knowledge that you carry with you for that's a burden that you use to just attract people to you for nothing like that. Hmm? Essential knowledge. When you love you know what to do. Hmm? This is real knowing. Hmm? So in that world, in that on that side, you can go there. And there are two basic divisions. We've gone from the world of creation where Lila of the Godhead becoming many in a dream transitions into karma for us and then the Lila of, of salvation and the teachings coming oh the teacher is very noble and we think this is the highest love to love the teacher hmm? there no, could be no no abuse there that's the theory hmm? things, everything there are things are abused but well, we have to be a little intelligent too we have to be wise in our love hmm? so to move from there Hmm? Take the compassion from the, in the form of the teacher. Hmm? God, is, God is there more than anywhere else in this world. Hmm? In the home knowing person, that's where home going is found. Hmm? We cannot get closer to God in this world than through the Guru. Hmm? So, we go. And we find it, it's our practical experience. My guru, she loves me. Hmm? In a different way. You know, a young boy loves a young girl. Oh, let's say, a tiger loves a young girl. Hmm. <laughs> a young boy loves a young girl. We well, you think that's better, but it's also, you know, <laughs> love knows no reason, and sometimes it's good to think. Hmm? Could be a problem. And then a sadhu loves a young girl, too that's different from a real sadhu she gets a different feeling or he gets a different feeling and is what it, it, it's like nobody ever loved me like that hmm? what he gave me I can't digest that I owe I feel oh I owe hmm? and he says no no that's not mine you think? It, it, it belongs to everybody. Hmm? I'm just giving out what it belongs to you.
1: Hmm?
0: This is your, your prospect. Hmm? What is your potential? What you could be? Hmm? Hmm. So we go there on that side. Hmm? There are two basic divisions. One division is a Leela of Majesty. The beatific vision. There is God and there's me. And I love God. And it's... They blow horns and things like that. (laughs) Chant om and so many mantras and... And... So forth. Majesty. Hmm? And then there is Lila of intimacy. Hmm? Intimacy. When you go from this world of names and forms by learning that the names and forms are illusory hmm? you come to consciousness I am consciousness hmm? I'm, I'm which, that which transcends words and names but I go there in the context of loving through bhakti I come in touch with other forms and names that are made out of consciousness because there's no matter there if you recall I mean, what's a form I mean, of consciousness? You have to go there and find out. But think about it. It's substantial. Hmm? Why does matter have a shape or a form? Because consciousness invested itself in matter and therefore it took a shape. So consciousness invested in itself. It can take shape. Hmm? The world starts, to look, it's a big world, it looks smaller because there's shapes and form, but it's bigger because it's more affectionate. Here was small because it's mean-spirited. There, because the spirit is giving, it's bigger. It's not just space we want. It's affection that we want. Hmm? So from affection, reverential affection, reverential love of God, hmm? we, we can move, it's possible, by if, if you have that kind of guru, to love and intimacy. This means there's the worshiper, there's the worshipped, there's the process of worship and the gap is bridged. That's what love is. Hmm? There's a union then. There's a union possible with Krishna,
1: hmm?
0: for example. It's not possible with Narayan. You know Narayan? He has four arms. He's God. Krishna's got two. Hmm? He like us. <laughs> Something like that. And, he, and he's also got problems. He fell in love with Radha this is all leela, of course but this is very human-like hmm? what, that's, what that's talking about that imagery is the idea of the infinite coming very close and being intimate with the finite if the infinite is to be intimate with the finite it will have to have a finite-like appearance otherwise how can you get intimate with it if you think I'm in touch with the infinite that will make me like stand back In awe. So if if the infinite is to have intimacy with the finite, it has to take a finite-like appearance. Hmm? The leela becomes smaller. Hmm? It's a village now. There are no big palaces and trumpets and all these things. And God's not sitting on a throne there. Hmm? And people are slapping him on the back, Krishna. and he has chores to do in his leela, milking cows and things like this that's a big topic leela, <laughs> huge topic but the, the, it, what I'm saying to you the imagery what, is it, what it's speaking to us about is the possibility of love in intimacy where there's a real union with the godhead in such a way that, that, that doesn't do away with you or the godhead but if I say like Hari Bhakti and I we are one doesn't mean there's no longer her or me we're just on the same page in the same sentence Hmm? Inside the parentheses, hmm? we are one hmm? talk to her, then you talk to me, something like that. Hmm? this kind of idea, so this is possible, and this is what we what this when we came in, my good friend agni Dave, who 's a celebrated Kirtanir around the world, actually, um, without his other musical accompaniment as it, as it, as it happens. He was chanting this Hare Krishna, Mahamantra. Hare Krishna, Hare Krishna, 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 Hare Hare, Hare Ram, Hare Ram, Ram Ram, Hare Hare. It is for going there. It is going from not away from taking. From taking we go to giving by way of sacrificing. Love is born out of the womb of sacrifice. So some sacrificing, some detachment, some giving up. And then, in the context of sacrificing, there's a, there's a conscious awareness. I'm sacrificing. Right? It's dutiful. I'm doing the right thing. I'm sacrificing for God, for, for the right thing, for the truth, for Dharma, whatever. I'm doing it for that. I'm consciously doing it. There's me, and there's the truth, and I'm sacrificing for it. It's very noble. But we want to go beyond that. Hare Krishna Madra takes us beyond that. From f- taking... To self-sacrificing to self-forgetfulness. What is a self-forgetfulness? It's like, let's say you're, down, you're walking down the street and, the, and the, the house is on fire, and you see a young girl in there, and so you, you just run in and you pull her out, and you come out and your hair's on fire, and they put it out, and then, then the newspapers come and they make a story and they give you a microphone. and how did you do it? What were you thinking? Uh, I don't know I'm just an ordinary guy I, I wasn't thinking at all hmm? but you could have burned up in there uh, yeah I guess I could <laughs> well, I didn't think about it you know uh, something like that so, this is kind of the spontaneous love of God not calculating I love God because it's God but well, I should hmm? it's the pitch of the love is, is greater it's, it's more it's, it, it's very it's like the it's like the love of a young young girl for a young man. It's like, what, if, you, if you try to say you shouldn't do this, it, it's not good. He's not on the right side of town. That'll only get, inflame it that much more. Hmm. This kind of love. Hmm. that uh, For the Godhead, for the center. This is what this Hare Krishna Mahamantra is about. So it will inform us if we chant it more comprehensively and experientially, hmm inform us as to the nature of transcendence in my talk tonight so i highly recommend <laughs> that you take up this chanting and incorporate it into your life any question or comment any help you can give me yes about what why do need for the world? Uh-huh. And, uh huh. And
1: specifically,
0: how you we know, don't how what dies. What dies? About uh, death. Yeah, what dies? Yeah. Well, you know, it's hard to talk about the world of of of, of matter, matter and consciousness kind of interacting in a sense. And it's, I tried to, you know, I, I gave a general idea that that if we look from a God-centered perspective and God is all loving, then then there has to be a space for, a place for compassion, right? And so there has to be then something to save people from. Hmm? So it's one explanation. But I, I have to say this to you, no explanation will satisfy everyone hmm, in this world. Um, but I want to say also that part of the problem of that is because of our frame of reference. <sighs> hmm? What really is being suggested here is, is, is a whole different frame of reference that uh, metaphysically, in a way, to to enter into that frame of reference, that this world will ultimately make sense to us. But as much as we are mired in it, it's it's really difficult. If I say to you, "You're not really suffering," that may be true, but it may be hard to digest when you just lost your love or something like that, and uh, and, and so forth. Um, but you know, we do have to look at the thing a little bit. Um, uh, as as to the more than what meets the eye so to speak um, but uh, so there may be any number of explanations of, of why the world but I'm, I'm not sure they're that valuable because sometimes un- unknowingly perhaps on our part and it may not be the case for you but a lot of people ask you know, why the world and what's underlying that is why the world of suffering is like it's or or well it underlying is that, is that I kind of don't believe it really is that bad or it, it, how could it be or uh, it it doesn't seem to mesh entirely with my experience it, it has to be better than you know it, uh, why, why there's a it's like that <laughs> it's kind of like that, or the same thing goes with you know why um why didn't God make a world that was, you know, there was no matter, hmm? and then we wouldn't have to matter about all this kind of stuff? And it's underlying that is, is a kind of a disbelief that there could be such a God, and people do give up the belief in God because they see suffering in the world and so forth. Hmm? So it's it's a thorny issue, no doubt, uh, and uh, and. um no no. I want to say logical explanation will satisfy the logic and the reasoning of everyone on it but suffice to say this I think there is a world hmm, of matter if you will and we are experiencing it I mean, that's, that's a little bit difficult to get away from hmm? it would be better to think that, acknowledge there is and there are problems and, and, and there is a solution that's being offered really spiritual discipline sadhana is a solution the solution is that there's a way in which you can you can isolate consciousness from matter and experience the theory that consciousness is different from matter. That's what yoga is really about. Hmm? So we set up certain parameters and live with them and and function in certain ways with our senses in relation to the world. That gradually, like for example, I mean, spiritual people aren't materialistic in the gross sense of the term. So. You're happy to live with a little less and ride your bike, you know? Kind of a thing, just used to, used to give an example. So, so spiritual sadhana is about testing the theory that you, you could live with less and feel that you're more. And the more that becomes, you hone that, hmm, that, that sadhana, the more you start to experience I'm different from matter. Matter shapes consciousness, but it doesn't cause consciousness. What I mean by that is for example, a car shapes how fast you're going to drive. Hmm? If I'm in a Volkswagen, I can only drive a certain speed. If I'm in a in a BMW, I can, you know, uh, in Europe, I can go fast. Hmm? The car is shaping, but it's not causing. In fact, I'm causing the car <laughs> to drive in the first place. Hmm? So, we all have different bodies and there are different species of life for that matter. And consciousness is what animates them. But consciousness is only expressing itself, that's the speed relative to the vehicle that it's in. Hmm? Now we've got a human vehicle and consciousness is, 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 is floor in it. You know, I mean it's like... It's like, wow, you know, I'm like... Yeah. So, uh, You can go a little faster, and it seems like there are all kinds of possibilities, Um, and there are. But they lie in yourself. Hmm? All those possibilities are in the self is coming out more in the human vehicle, and so you feel there are more possibilities. Then we look for them in the world. So we try to fly high in the sky and go to the bottom of the ocean in submarines and planes. But it's you. You're the more. You're coming out. There are so many possibilities, unlimited possibilities. As I said, in the world of God's daydream. Impossible doesn't exist there. That there's not a word in the dictionary there. Hmm? So when we align ourselves with the will of God, then everything's possible. Hmm? So, so I think what is important is to th- is to is to understand there is the world. There are problems. I'm feeling I'm feeling constrained by the world, uh, by by my attachments. They're problematic. Um, and, there's, and here's something, theoretically, that can enable me to overcome that experientially. So the more you take that up and move in that direction, the more the why of the world will make sense to you even when that why transcends the ability to explain it and talk about it in words to the satisfaction of one's intellect. It's a pretty good way for saying, I don't know the answer. LAUGHTER <laughs> Uh, so, <laughs> the <way laughs> there was another part to your question, and one part was why the world, and what was the other part? The, when you're about I what about. Yeah, well, that's, uh, that's what it's like. Um, they're different, ontologically different from one another. As I said, well, you're not going to get experience out of non-experience. Like, take take billiard balls. This is sometimes used as an example by some people. Billiard balls, you know, on the pool table. They're bouncing around, just like molecules are bouncing around hmm? on the pool table of the world. Hmm? And did, does anyone ever think that at one point when you hit the, I don't know how to do it, but the eight ball or something like that, it goes, ouch. Hey, could you put me in the other hole over there? The middle hole? You keep putting me in the corner hole. We never... I mean, that's just ridiculous. It's funny, but it's ridiculous. We're never going to expect the, that billiard ball to say, ouch, or say, you know, could you put a little chalk on a thing? Right? So don't think that molecules or anything in the brain, no matter how it bumps up, it rubs, rubs with one another, it's, it's, something's all going to start, start to say, Hey, that feels good. I don't like that. That's not going to happen. Hmm? That, that feels good. I like that. That's experience. It doesn't come out of non-experience. Hmm? non Experience will not come out of non-experience. And matter is non-experiential. It's experience. So there's a difference between us and matter. Hmm? There's a similarity, too. We are both Shaktis of Bhagwan. Maya Shakti, Jeev Shakti, self is so called Jiv Shakti. Also, Jiv means life. Hmm. We both Shaktis of Bhagwan. We have that in common, but we're one is animate, one is inanimate. Different. Hmm. So that's something about it. Hmm. And and we are of that experiencing nature. So so you will never. I mean, do you have any experience of not experiencing? Well, you don't. You don't, or otherwise you'd remember it or you'd recall it. That's the point. You have no experience of not experiencing. Well, don't think that will end either. There's no reason to believe that. You you know, I, why don't you live on the basis of experience? That's what we do do. But we have to think about what our experience actually is and then live on the basis of that. Not just a sensual experience. That feels good. That sounds good. That looks good. That tastes good. That means I'm going here, here, here I'm being pulled in all different directions. Sometimes at the same time, the tongue says that tastes good. The stomach says, stomach says that's enough. And there's a battle going on. That also happens. Hmm? So, again, we experience. But the fact that we're an experiencer—that's the real experience. That should be thought out. What the, and how to how to understand that? What I am as a unit of experience. I'm different than the natural world. I'm supernatural. Hmm? matter doesn't experience I do some people think experience comes out of non-experience but they're not thinking very well hmm? and they can do it in a sophisticated way but it defies common sense it defies our experience and it's not verifiable by any objective data there's, good, there's theories that you can interpret data and so forth but who's doing the, the interpreting anyway you know if you want to do away with the interpreter, that's consciousness. What's the meaning of the theory that, that says that, um, that consciousness is matter? What's the meaning of the theory? Uh, that's, a, that's a long, long argument. But. So, there's a few words. Anything else? Yes. I
1: was wondering, um, where people, when they've experienced great grief or sorrow, they walk away from
0: and now people have got an
1: experience of that And I was wondering if
0: you had any thoughts about... Why? Yeah, well, I, you know, really, our course in life is very much a product of our associations and so forth. So the thing I'm talking about, spiritual life, is something that actually comes from up to down. Hmm? If you want to know about God but God doesn't want you to know, then how are you going to know? Right? So, if God wants us to know about God, then we can know. Hmm? It's like the mind. The eye can see a thing if the mind minds it. Hmm? If it doesn't, you know, you'll go home and say, I saw this, I saw that, and somebody else saw other things here. Hmm? Because unless your eye and the object are lined up with your mind you don't see it even though you're looking at it hmm? so I'm using this as an analogy hmm? so if God doesn't want us to know we 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 can't know we can say well God doesn't want us to know he does he wants us to want to wanna know so we are a unit of will too and so there's no real overt force involved here love is a force no doubt hmm? but it's it's a subtle one that coaxes you to you know to exercise your will in a particular way. Hmm? And so, so there's these ideas, they, 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 they come from a certain perspective, from a spiritual perspective. So in that sense, they come from the world, the transcendent world, the nature of transcendent. They come here, right? Hmm? And so in our sojourn, if you will, materially, moving through many lives and many bodies and many species, hmm? We have the opportunity to, to 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 rub in, you know, rub up to the right persons. Hmm? Um, what's the reason for that? It's it's the if the Sanskrit word for it is often translated luck. Hmm? What is that? You well, know? yadritchaya, yadritchaya. It means like well, there's no reason. It's like good fortune. It's uh, something like that. Hmm? So and there are different kinds of sadhus also so when we in, in, in different lives let's say in some lifetime you you know you there was a sadhu meditating hmm? and you were a dog and a snake came could have bit the sadhu and you barked and chased it away you didn't know what you were doing in a higher sense but you served the interest of the sadhu Something comes to you from that, hmm? some some scar, some tendency, for serving sadhus. Then what kind of sadhu? What was his what was his sadhana? What was his sadhya? What was his ideal? What was his practice? What was his or her ideal? Hmm? Then it will come in you. Hmm? Another kind of sadhu, like my lineage, though so I represent, bhakti mark. So you can get. <laughs> sorry to tell you this, but you get bhakti scar with this what I'm talking about, you get a tendency for this. Depending on where where you're at in all of this over many lifetimes, the measure to which you'll be able to take it up in this lifetime. But I've got time. So I'm not worried. We'll be together. Hmm? Forever. Hmm? It will take time. But we have time.
1: Hmm?
0: So, depending on our association...
1: Hmm?
0: We psychologically will be predisposed to make certain decisions. We think we make rational decisions, but largely they're psychological with regard to previous associations. Hmm? Why one person accepts one argument and the other the opposite argument and they debate them and you can't figure out which one's right? Because he says that, that sounds good. Then he says that, that sounds good too. Yeah. But one of, both of them are fixed on their side because of a certain psychology that's been formed by non-rational processes hmm? that's a very interesting point so in other words this is a transrational really experience I mean I'm speaking logically hmm? but the experience is a transrational one because of the nature of the subject and what I'm really doing is sharing my experience my heart through a, a through the a vehicle of logically arranged words and so forth Mm-hmm. That if that can arrest, as I said earlier, your your, your mind and your intelligence, so you're just like listening, listening. Then the thing can go in that you can't see it can go into your heart. That creates a sunk scar, a tendency for this, an ability to understand it more the next time you hear it. And then, and it start, You see, the nature of this knowledge is that it's different than ordinary knowledge. Ordinary knowledge of this world is knowledge that we gather for our materially conceived purposes. We collect it in a file and we use it when it's convenient for us. This knowledge, you may have come here for the same, you know, pick up a little knowledge, see what this guy's about, what they're going to talk about, you know. So I'll pick it up for myself and add it to my profile. But after a while, you realize this knowledge is not something that I can make part of my agenda because it has an agenda and I'm on it. Mm-hmm. Whoa. <laughs> that's different. Hmm? That's a different kind of knowledge.
1: Hmm?
0: And it's coming after me. That's love. That's God's love. It's coming after me. Hmm? And sometimes it's quite ruthless and quite, <laughs> quite <laughs> very much <laughs> demanding and insisting, understand me, embrace me, take this. So that kind of feeling coming from Asada that will affect us. Even if you don't understand the, 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 the you know, the, the explanation and so forth. So this is what causes us to make decisions and, uh, of, of that, that that type or hmm. so I hope that's helpful. Something else? Yes. Because I'm a
1: little confused about how you understand the individual units of consciousness apart from their material vehicles. Yeah. God and love. Yeah. Right. kind of what you were talking about, these forces, but how in this particular you know, cosmology that you proposed here, what is the relationship as
0: you see it, or you understand it? Between our bodies and our souls?
1: No, not the body, the immaterial units of consciousness. And? and? And God and love.
0: The relationship between them, yeah. Well, love is the binding force that... that, that um, Solidifies, fosters the relationship. The relationship between the individual atma, unit of consciousness, and the, the reservoir of consciousness. Let's call him Krishna. Okay. So the relationship is a loving relationship. So love is the vehicle. Hmm? Love is the is the is is what forges the relationship, and that's what we call bhakti. So bhakti is is something that's constituted of another shakti. So there's, let's say there's God, and, and, which is the energetic source of everything. Okay, Let's say God is a generator, and what does God generate? Energy. So there's energetic, and there's energy. Uh, well, you can't really separate the two, but they're different at the same time. Hmm? So when we talk about the Shakti of God, we're talking about the energy of God, talking about God, we're talking about the energetic, shaktiman, shakti, the energetic, the energy, so there's God, and then there are innumerable shaktis, energies, by which wonderful things are accomplished, just like there's me, my name is Swami, and I do things by my energy, I write books, I talk, I know it can be boring, but long, but but that's what he does, and so, so you know me by knowing my, my energy, my shakti, hmm? You say, "I know Swami; he does this." So, God, the energetic, the Shaktiman, has innumerable shaktis. We're one of the we're constituted of one of those shaktis called Jeev Shakti. It's the Atma, the particle of consciousness, like the ray of the sun. Hmm? You want to know what's the relationship between us and God, or how does it? What, the, the relationship is forged, if you will, hmm, by by bhakti which causes us to become detached from our attachment to to matter, which is not a bond of love. It's a bond, a false bond, hmm? created by taking, and you never really get anything, so it's false. You come up empty-handed, you get an appetizer, but you never get a full meal. hmm? So bhakti descends. So this chanting, for example, of Hare Krishna mantra, it's a form of bhakti, hmm? hearing the chanting or hearing this talk this is a, this is a, a form of bhakti mm-hmm. so actually in its mature maturity there's bhakti in practice there's bhakti in ecstasy and there's bhakti in divine love it's like an apple is an apple is an apple but there's a green apple and there's a ripening apple and there's a ripe apple mm-hmm. they're all apples so bhakti is kind of like The invitation from the Godhead to have a relationship—the primary, the the, the beginning result of which is I become detached from my apparent relationship to Hmm? matter—that's making me think I'm something other than I am. So, knowledge comes, wisdom. hmm? Like the Buddha, the idea of the Buddha, the wisdom of the Buddha was well, the world's about suffering, and it's caused by attachment, therefore we should detach. That's wise. Hmm? So inside this bhakti is this kind of wisdom that comes, Hmm? that causes detachment. And as the bhakti is cultivated further, hmm, in sadhana, sadhana means spiritual practice. So you know, we have certain practices that we do that that constitute bhakti. And detachment being the first stage, then affection starts to develop for Bhagwan, for the Godhead affection and I'm telling what's it like it's like you, you know what it's like to have affection for something that preoccupies your mind and you don't have to force yourself to think about it right hmm? your mind goes there naturally so by spiritual practice like this the mind starts to go naturally towards towards Krishna for example just go naturally and like the, like it would go towards a friend oh my friend I think oh, I, hear my friend. I have certain feelings inside or towards a lover or something like that. And, it's just to use this as a comparison because the love and the relationships of this world are like a shadow, we a reflection of those relationships. Hmm? So the differences in the relationship is that what's forging the relationship is love rather than taking, which only gives an apparent relationship with something I can't really have and I never really get and it never would satisfy me if I did anyway. Hmm? So by invoking bhakti, Hmm? By participating in bhakti, engaging in bhakti, and so forth, the detachment comes, the wisdom comes, so it's wise love, and the loving comes on the other side. So spiritual emotion develops. That would be called bhava, hmm? ecstasy. So one person will chant because he hears this, she hears this, it sounds good, makes sense, like it, attracted to it, doesn't make sense, but I like it anyway. That's also possible. I hmm? like the chanting. You know? So they do it, hmm? they practice it. That's some kind of sadhana, practice. It's like a child, you know, practicing, pretending that he's his father and puts on those big shoes and comes out with his father's coat on and the kids go, oh, isn't that funny? One day you'll run the business, ha ha ha, you know, and so forth. But imitation of a good thing is a good thing. So when he grows into the shoes, then bhakti becomes alive. Then it's bhakti in ecstasy. Hmm? This is, this is, this is, the, the, then one is experiencing the, that the nature of the transcendent world. Hmm? and material emotions arising in the mind in relation to things and our attachments to them disappear and spiritual emotions awaken and they have they're similar to like material emotions but they're they're never ending and they're ecstatic and and they don't have e- 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 even the emotion of separation in the leela krishna went behind a tree i couldn't see him for a second ah oh, that's horrible. Right. It's it's something like, but it but it's but it, it just fosters attachment more for an object that is sat sat-chit-ananda, condensed. Eternity, knowledge, and bliss. Rather than this is asat. It's here today, it'll be gone tomorrow. It's achit, it's not conscious. And it's nirananda. There's no ecstasy in this. Hmm? When we speak about Krishna, we're talking about concentrated satchidananda. You know you, you develop a, a relationship with that and any emotion that comes out of that relationship hmm, is blissful. Hmm. So bhakti is, 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 a, is, a, is taken up first as a sadhana and it turns into bhava, ecstasy. And that ecstasy is, is cultivated in a particular way hmm, that results in, in divine love and divine love is a particular bias. So some love Krishna, for example, like, like a friend, like a lover, like a parent, different, in different ways big topic but that's something so yes um, is there any aspiration that's worthy other than the aspiration to be immune with the divine and if so what is the purpose of that aspiration well I, I suppose you could have aspirations that would be in relation to that which would also be um, meaningful it would, that, that would foster that, that uh, but they would be um, really in an extended sense the same aspiration um no there isn't that's my answer <laughs> um at the same time um in it's a big this is a bit this is a, this is the you know ultimate you know destination and 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 the journey is the destination too so it's you know it's a it's a huge thing so um therefore in that context there may be aspirations that are less than that but are worthy because without attaining them I won't be able to apply myself effectively in the pursuit of that. Let me give an example. I'm a monastic. I've been in a monastic since I was 22 years old. I'm 64 a couple of days ago or this month sometime. There are different dates for it. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I'm confused for sure. Uh, so, Now, some people will feel a need for a relationship with another person, an intimate relationship. Um, And they can't feel whole enough to practice spiritual life without having that, even though they know, theoretically, that that's not... I'm not going to get everything from that relationship that I really want out of life. Hmm? And so, they pursue that relationship... Hmm? They want to find a person who's going to be compatible, who's also interested in spiritual life and so on and so forth, and you know make the you know try to be- find the best you can and so forth, and then, and then you're fortified psychologically and emotionally to pursue your ideal. Hmm? And bhakti, as a practice, is very powerful, such that it doesn't mandate like yoga. For example, Astanga yoga mandates celibacy. You probably know that, although they translate it as very fancifully these days amongst the uh, you know the limbs of Astanga Yoga you've got Brahmacharya it means celibacy that's what it means you know we can say right sexuality or you know (laughs) all kind of so that's a tough path for most people right but in bhakti it's not required Hmm? that's the that's the power of bhakti Hmm? it can turn the lemon into you know lemonade that's (laughs) so it's it's very powerful so it can even turn a relationship with another into a meaningful spiritual relationship with another Atma, mm-hmm. because they both become practitioners, and then they both help one another to in their practice and so forth, and and so they, they have a relationship with one another that is loving in a way that fosters their love for the center,
1: mm-hmm.
0: and so you can't you can't do that sitting on a Deer skin or something, you know, not too high, not too low, and all that stuff, as described, for example, in 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 the Yoga Sutra. So anyway, so so something like that. Uh, There may be some value in pursuing a relative goal with a higher goal in mind. It may look like you're going backwards, but you're actually going forward. I've given examples sometimes. If you want to go to like Himalayas, the highest peak there you have to go through many foothills. So you don't go like this. You go like this. Sometimes it looks like you're going down, but even you're going down, you're going up actually. Hmm? And for all this, some good guidance, that will be helpful. All right, so, yeah, yeah. Sure, I got time, but I don't, <laughs> don't know about everybody else. Where did you
1: use Satchitananda.
0: Satchitananda. Yeah. This second there, what I okay, very quickly. Sat means real. And in that sense, it means in eternal. It means existence, hmm? as opposed to non-existence. You're not going to get existence out of non-existence. Hmm? So we're a unit of existence. We don't die. Hmm? Material things are asat in that they're here today, but they won't be here tomorrow. There's a combination of matter that makes a form, and, but, it, but you can't count on it. You can't rely on it. Hmm? But you, yourself, as a unit of consciousness, are, elementally speaking, in terms of your, the elements that you're, that you're constituted of, are real. Hmm? You're for real. We take you, you know, Seriously. So, you're a unit of enduring existence. If you knew the extent to which you existed, you'd have no fear or no anxiety. You don't know the extent to which you exist, and therefore you're, you're, you're fending for yourself. But you don't have to. But that's a realization you have to come to by spiritual practice. So, sat, one aspect of yourself. Then, chit. Chit means cognizance. So, you have self awareness, you experience I am i am does chit i am what does that mean i mean but but i am hmm? uh i i am uh, you know i exist, I know that i exist that's sat chit now there's a purpose for your existence too, and that is ananda hmm? what does ananda mean Ananda means Joy it means you exist for joy. That means for no reason. Ananda means love. Love knows no reason. You exist for no reason, a no reason reason. Hmm? <laughs> so we are a unit of enduring existence who purposes to love. Suchit ananda. We are like an atom of suchit ananda. We are derived existence, derived knowing, derived loving. And then there's a source, Krishna, Satchitananda, concentrated. Hmm? Satchitananda Gana. Hmm? That help? Yeah. Thank you for asking. Okay, so we'll stop there. Thank you all very much for listening. It's very always nice to come here. Those of you I've seen before, nice to see you. Hope to see you all again. Okay.